Greetings, welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirman Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now on Masachet Psachim Dafnun Amur Aleph at the bottom of the Amud. Back to begin our study of the fourth parak of Psachim, a parak that is devoted entirely to the implications of Minhag Hamakom, local custom. And it begins with Makom Shenagul Asot Malachabi Arve Psachim Archatzot. So we find out that there was a difference in customs between different places about doing malacha in the morning of Erev Pesach. So where there was a place to uh, do malacha, or say, there are a lot of do malacha. sort of, has a custom not to do. Enosin, which means both customs are, leg- are legitimate. <coughs> now here's the cardinal rule. So if you leave a place where they do malacha, but you come to a town where they don't, or vice versa. You have the stringencies of both place, both, both places. And a person should not behave differently than the local people because it will cause dissent. Now, that of course is a problem because if you leave a place where they don't do malacha to a place where they do, and you're going to follow the chumrah and not do malacha, then you're behaving differently than the local people. We'll have to see about that. Kayotsebo, we have a parallel. So one brief uh, interjection here is the rule of uh, Shemitah is you're allowed to eat fruit uh, and keep it in the house as long as it's available in your region. So uh, as long as all the pears are still on the trees or there's still pears available, you can keep pears in your house. As long as the minute that they're gone, you have to put them all out and do biur. Now, if you take fruit from an area where they are gone, but to a place where they're not gone, or vice versa, either way you have to do biur, in other words, follow the chumrah, both places. Avido says that you actually tell the guy, bring your own, we'll see what that means in the Gemara. Okay, the first thing that the Gemara deals with is my nami. There's a custom not to do malacha on every Arab Shabbat and Yom Tov. So why only Arab Sachim? If you do malacha in the late afternoon of Arab Shabbat and Yom Tov, you won't see any benefit from that. So, for several answers. First of all, in that case, it's only in the late afternoon. No, but not around midday. Here, from midday on, it's Asur. And then the question is the custom in the morning. The other possibility is that in the case of Erev Shabbat and Yom Tov, there is no legal consequence. We just say you will not see any blessing, any, any profit from that work. We don't have consequences of putting you in Cherem or, or Makot or anything. Here, if you do malachan in the afternoon of Erev Pesach, you're in Cherem because you violated an Isur. Okay, Gufa. If you do malacha right after Shabbat, Yom Tov, Yom Kippur, any time that it's close to doing an Avera, because if you do it too early, you won't see any profit from it. Again, no stricture, just uh, exhortation. You can be very zealous and gain. You can be very zealous and lose. You can be slothful and gain and slothful and lose. Let's see. 
That's a guy who works all week. He doesn't work on Friday. That's a guy who's energetic and gains. Zarizvenifsad, a guy who's energetic and loses, the Avid Kule Shabtavid Malashabte. He works all week, including Friday, till the end of the day. Shafelvaniskar, a lazy guy gains, the Avid Kule Shabte doesn't work all week, including Friday. Vlavid Malashabta. Shafelvanifsad, how about that? The Lavid Kule Shabtavid Malashabta. He doesn't work all week, and then he works on Friday. That's a lazy guy who really loses. The woman in our town of Mechuza. Um, they don't work on Fridays. That's because they are spoiled, not because they're so religious. They don't work any day. We still call them someone who is lazy but gains. They get a schar. And Ravarami. Uh, so we see, Your kindness is all the way up to heaven. Your kindness is above heaven. How do you do that? If you do an act, it's above heaven. If you do it, do it for the wrong reason, it's up till heaven. And this again, uh, correlates with the idea of praising these women who don't work even though they're lazy, but they still don't work on every Shabbat, that they're, they're not working even though it's a Shalom Lishma, eventually it'll come Lishma. One would wonder, of course, if in that particular context it would work. Uh, perhaps, uh, Shalom Lishma means that we offer certain rewards and then that leads to them doing it for its own sake. Somebody who anticipates getting his wife's uh, salary, um, or uh, <coughs> a from a uh, from a rechaim uh, from a from a mill, uh, will never see a gain from it. What does that mean? It means matkulta, meaning uh, that she walks around with a uh, with a scale and she goes to the shuk. Um, and uh, she gets the gain of, of hiring out as a person who weighs things. And his wife becomes uh, degraded by doing that in the shuk and gains very little. Uh, Rechaya is igrata, meaning that the value that they give for renting a mill, it's a very big uh, pain to schlep it around. Um, and uh, and for that little bit, it's not worth it. But if, on the other hand, she actually works the mill and says, That's somebody very praised with. If somebody uh, does their business with uh, little sticks, or um, what they use, let's say, for make a fence, or with jugs, there's just no money in it. My tama. Because they take up a lot of space, you don't gain much. People who sit and just uh, in the shuk and they do business without moving around, they just sit there. People who raise uh, the flock, the people who cut down good trees for wood, uh, never see a bracha. Maitama de tahu bayu inchi. People see them and they're upset at them for doing these things. And so there's an ayin hara. Tanavan arba prutot ein ben sibran bracha leolam. There's four kind of coins that never gain. Schar kotvin. The, uh, money that you pay somebody <coughs> as a scribe. Schar meturgaminin. Translators. Schar yitomim. The, 
when you when you uh, the uh, when you help the yatomim by investing with them. Money that comes from overseas. I understand about translators. Uh, these are mitugamin in in the beikneset, and uh, and they they stand in front of the chacham for the shiur and publicize his words. It looks like schar shabbat. Yitomim can't be mochel um, um, because they're ktanim. <coughs> so it again looks like uh, wrong gotten gains. Because if you invest in something coming from the other side of the sea, it could be that uh, it's not going to make it. You can't rely on it. But those are people who write. Why is that not good? That the rabbis fasted, many fast to make sure that these guys would not become wealthy. Because if they get wealthy, they'll stop writing. So the idea is that it's, uh, it's a very, uh, altruistic, uh, profession that somebody has to get involved with. All the people who are involved in, uh, in heaven's work, the Sfarim, and even people who sell Tchelet, never see a benefit, but if they're involved in it, Lishma, then they will see. A right, very famous story. B'nai Baishan, particular family. They wouldn't travel even from, even from Tyre to Sidon, which are two nearby cities on the Lebanese coast, on Friday. They wouldn't travel on Fridays. So their sons came to Rabbi Yochanan. Our parents were able to maintain it because they were wealthy enough or the market day wasn't on Friday. We can't do it. We need to do business. This becomes the model for the notion of ancestral customs being binding on the children. Your, your ancestors accepted it. You have to follow it. Do not, uh, do not uh, uh, ignore the teaching of your mother. This family had the custom of taking challah from rice. He did not accept this custom, and he said a non-coin should eat it in front of them to show that there is no such thing as challah. Abaye challenged Rav Yosef with a general rule, which is, if you have something that's permitted, but people behave as if it's asur, you're not allowed to be matured in their presence. But yes, we have a comment on that, which is That's talking about kutoi, about the kutim. The reason that we have that rule about them is that if we behave leniently in front of them, they're going to start being lenient about everything. So Abayi said the same thing is true about these people. He said, let's try something else. If most people there eat rice, then let's not do this uh, idea of having a non-coin eat it. Because at least this way they're remembering that there's such a mitzvah of challah, if they never use wheat. But if most of them eat grain, let a non-coin eat it. Stop this custom of taking challah from rice, which is not an obligation. Because there's another problem. If they have wheat, they may end up taking rice to include the wheat, or wheat to include the rice, and uh, and then it really is not halal at all. 
that rule that things that are technically permitted, but people behave as if they are prohibited, you're not allowed to permit it in their presence. We're talking again about the kutim, the shamronim. What others not? Two brothers are allowed to be in the bathhouse together. But in the town of Kvul, you're not allowed to do that. They happen to go into the bathhouse. Everybody started yelling at them. We've never seen such a thing. So one of the brothers went out of the bathhouse. He didn't want to tell them that they were that they were permitted. It was permitted, meaning that. Uh, that even though these were not kutim that they were around, nonetheless they respected the local custom and didn't correct it. It's a particular kind of garment. You're allowed to wear it on Shabbat. But in the particular town of Biri, you're not allowed. They they have the custom not to do it. There's a particular kind of shoes. Uh, and the question is, are they going to fall off? And you'll carry them. Again, the same two brothers, sons of Gamliel. They went into that town. They were wearing them on Shabbat. People were yelling and said, We've never seen such a thing. They took them off and gave them to their servants to carry. Not to correct them. And a third rule is, You're allowed to sit on benches of non Jews. They would not have that custom in Akko. Of sitting on uh, on on uh, the the benches that they use, where they would sit and do business. Now, Shem Gamliel himself sat on such a bench. They said we never saw such a thing. He got off and sat on the ground. He didn't want to tell them you're wrong. It's okay. So the answer is that people on the other in the islands came on There aren't many rabbis in the, the area of Rome and Greece in the islands. So the answer is that these cities, Akko, etc., there were not a lot of rabbis around. Therefore, we had to treat them like kutim and we had to respect their customs because otherwise they would start denigrating real stuff. Now, let's go back and look at the three cases. We see, understand sitting on those benches. Looks like you're doing business on Shabbat. That's what they do there. We understand the shoes. The shoes may fall off and you'll carry them in Shabbat. Why was there a custom for brothers not to bathe together? You can bathe with anybody except your father and your father-in-law. And your, uh, your mother's husband and your brother-in-law. Rabbi Yehuda says, if you're there to help your father in the bathhouse, you're allowed to. The same thing if your mother remarries. And so in that town, they made the Gzairah that you shouldn't bathe with your brother as a precaution against bathing with your brother-in-law. Okay. So parenthetically, we say a student should not bathe with his father. Oh, sorry, with his teacher, but if his teacher needs him, then he can. So Rabbi Rachana came to Bavel, and he ate this particular kind of meat, that uh, the piece of meat that was called daitra. Um, it's a certain kind of fat, that locally they had a custom not to eat it. 
these two rabbis came, they, he saw them, he hid it from them. They told Abaye, Ramachana came to Bavel, and he's eating the stuff that we don't eat. He said, the fact that he hid it from you, means he's treating us like we're kutim, instead of just saying to him, you know what, it's mutar, like you should do with other people who are knowledgeable. Wait a second. In our mission, we said that you have to follow the stringencies both of the place you left and the place you came to. And here they don't need it. You should have avoided it. So the answer is That's if you're within Bavel, one town to another, or Israel, one town to another. Or if you go from Bavel to Israel, to keep both. If you're coming from Israel to Bavel, at that point in time, came with the Anan Kaifinalu, and this is the last generation where that's true. Since in Bavel they were still subservient to Eretz Yisrael, Avdin and Kavatayu, we follow their custom, and therefore if somebody from there comes here, he does not have to take on our stringencies. He says, you know what, even if going to Israel to Bavel, that's if you don't plan to go back. Rabbi was just here for a visit. He was going to go back, so therefore he doesn't have to adopt our local customs, which may shed light on the Mishnah. So he told his sons, Don't eat that stuff. In other words, he was in Bavel. Don't eat that diatra, not in front of me and not away from me. I was in Tveria. I saw Yochanan eat it. I can rely on him, whether I'm with him or not with him, because I saw it. You didn't see him. You can't do it. Whether I'm around or not. Because you didn't see Yochanan eating him. Yochanan is at odds with himself. This rabbi told him, I followed this particular rabbi into a garden. And I saw him take some cabbage, and he gave it to me. And he told me, if you're around me, you could eat it, could you see me eating it? If you're not around me, you can't. I saw him eating it, so I can rely on him. And so he told Rabbi Hana, you who did not see Rabbi uh, Shimon Yochai eating it, you saw me eating it based on him, so I eat it whether he's around or not. You can eat it in my presence, but not in my absence. So Rabbi Hana should have really made the distinction and told his son, you could eat this diatra in my presence, because that's Rabbi Yochanan eating it, but you can't eat it in my absence. And instead he said, you can't eat it at all. Okay, now, my Rabbi Shimon, what's the statement of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai? The time of Shimon Omer, all of the, these bushes, these grasses are Asur and Shemitah, except for Kruv. Because there's nothing like it in the regular fields. They said all are Asur. They're both following Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shimon Yochai's Rabbi. Tanya, when uh, the in, in, in Bahar it says people are going to say we have nothing to eat, it's going to be three years. So he said, if we're not planting, what's there to harvest? So it must be that even things that grow wild, we can't pl- we can't pick. 
My Kari Pal, your abundance of Gazun and Sfiki Kuv Atu Shar Sfiki de Alma, Shem Savalo Gazun Sfiki Kuv Atu Sfiki de Alma. The answer is whether or not we put a restriction against Sfiki Kuv, against this cabbage, as a protection against other things that grow wild, or we don't need to, and Shimon says we don't need to. We will pause at this point. We're going to pick it up with further analysis of the general rule of going from one place to another when it comes to being Hagamakon. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.